Good morning. Good morning. All right, you can do better than that. Come on, I know, it's no, I know it's the first day of the year and you're tired from watching the ball drop last night. I get that. But we're going to try that again. I really want you to put some energy into it. You're setting the tone for your 2017. Are you re- All right, are you ready? Oh, you're not sure. Okay, so we're going to give it a shot. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. All right, that's awesome. We are glad you're here this morning celebrating the new year with us. Um, 18 years ago, it's probably one of the greatest days of my life. 18 year, well, 18 years ago yesterday, it was one of the greatest year, days of our lives. Sonia and I, uh, at 11.52 p.m., Sonia, and I got to be there, gave birth to our oldest son, James. Yeah? He wanted me to say he takes gift cards. That's what he wanted to say. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you would, right? He's like, no. Um, I, I tell you, um, and I know some of you, I said 11.52, immediately some of you thought, oh, you should have waited to have the first baby of the new year. And all I can say to those of you who are thinking that way, all I could think of was tax deduction. So we went that way with Sonia's permission. That's the way we went. So when James was born, it was just such an exciting time for us. It was uh, a time when I, I remember holding him there in the nursery. And can, I can just remember thinking about, I can't wait to see what this next year holds for this little person. And what this next year holds for this family. We, I was 25 and Sonia was 25 and we had this new baby and we're like, oh my gosh, we don't know what we're doing, and I, like most of us. And, and so it, I just remember holding him thinking, I can't wait to see what this next year holds for us. And so for, for me, every December 31st, the strike of midnight going into new year, I have this kind of sense in me of, I can't wait to see what God would have in store for us this new year. And maybe you come to the table this morning and that's been your heart and your attitude. You just can't wait to see what God has for you in 2017. For some of you, when you come to the table of 2017, it's a time of renewal for you. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Really? Come on. Okay, how many of you made even a secret New Year's resolution with yourself, right? Liars, liars. You want to give up. Anyway, so most normal people in America get a lot of resolutions. They do a lot of stuff. They say, hey, I want to not do this and do that. And really, it's a time of renewal. Some people come to the new year, and it's really a sense of, uh, I just it's another day. <laughs> you know, let's get this thing going. It's another day. Let's just keep moving. Some people come to the new year with the mentality of, you know what? Last year stunk. And the new year just reminds me of all the garbage and the junk that I went through the last 12 months, right? And maybe many of you can identify with that. Here's what I want to say to you. I don't care what baggage you brought to the, to the room this morning, what, where you come as it re- relates to the new year and what attitude, whether it's on the meter of excitement to the meter of dread. I, I don't care where you kind of bring to the table today, but here's some couple things I know about all of us in the room. All of us in the room, first of all, want this year to be better than last year. Amen? Amen. I mean, regardless, you may say, now I had an awesome year last year. You still want this year to be better than last year. And if you had a horrible year, obviously you want this year to be better last year. So I know that about you. And the second thing I know about you is this, is that all of us, while we want a new and better year, still will find ourselves in the month of January struggling to find traction, struggling to find momentum to get things going the right direction. 
And I've been thinking about for the last several weeks, you know, why is it that when it comes to a new year that most of us will struggle finding our rhythm and finding a way of really making the right strides and doing the right things in our lives? And, and some people would say stuff like this. Well, you know, January is one of those months where it's like so, gets dark so early and it gets cold. Well, tomorrow's going to be 60, so I can't say that one. So, you know, they, it's just dark and cold. Some people would say, no, it's, it's the, the dread and the depression that comes with that now you have to pay off what you spent the last last six to eight weeks, and so January is kind of hard. Here's what I would suggest to you. I think one of the reasons we all struggle finding traction and momentum in a new year going the right direction is because we lack vision. We don't have any real vision for our lives. And here's the thing, if we don't have a vision for our life, you're doomed to repeat the way you've been doing life already, right? And I'm telling you, vision is so important. In fact, vision is so important, you need to come back next week and the week after and the week after because we're going to begin a new series where I'm going to give you three things that need to be part of your vision for this next year. And you really need to be here to hear those three things. But before we can think about vision, what I want to think about today is this. Before we can even think about what's the vision for my new year, I want you to think about what do I need to do to position myself to really get myself moving forward in the right direction? Now, here's why that's so important. Please hear this. Because we could talk about vision for your life today, but if you have no plans and cannot do, not, do nothing to position yourself to really move forward, that vision becomes nothing but good intention, right? And we've all done that. We've all, we've all said, I really want to do this with my life. I really want to do this this new year. And really what happens is it just becomes nothing but good intention. Vision just slides to good intention, and good intention just never happens, so before we can ever talk about vision starting next week, I want us to think about what do we need to do right now, January 1, to position ourselves in such a way to be prepared and ready to move forward. Now, just, just look right here. Aren't most of you like Doug in the room and tired of just getting stuck in life? Aren't you tired of that? You know what? The reason we get stuck is because we let ourselves get stuck, Right? And if you're like me and you're in that truck and you've got a mud pit somewhere in your brain that's not functioning properly, you think if I gas it harder, somehow I'm going to get out of this pit. But what happens when you gas it harder? It gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And some of you, that's where you find yourselves this morning, stuck. So what I want to do, next week we're going to talk about vision. But today I want, to, I want us to learn what do we have to do to position ourselves to really start moving forward. So start gaining traction to find some rhythm and momentum for our lives, for our families, and for our spiritual journeys. So if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3 is where I'm going to be this morning. Philippians chapter 3. And I'll hear your Bibles starting, so get them out. Philippians chapter 3, get your phone out, your iPad, or your neighbors. It doesn't matter. Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to ask you one more time today to stand with me as we read God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 12 through 16, says this. Apostle Paul is talking. Not that I have already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize and of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That those of us who are mature thinking, think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've already attained. You may be seated. Now, there's four things I want you to notice in this passage that we need to do if we're going to position ourselves to move forward. Now, please hear me. This is important today. 
Because next week, man, we're going to tackle something that's, that's, that's crazy. And you're, I mean, you're, we're going to walk away going, this is the vision I should have for my life. But here's the deal. The vision, if you don't want it just to be hot air and just good intentions, we've got to get today right. We've got to look at this passage and go, okay, what do I need to do? What does Paul say that I need to do to really position myself to be ready to have a vision for my life, to be ready to move forward? The first thing he says this, we have to be honest. Look at the very first part of verse 12 and verse 13. Paul says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already made perfect, verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. Now, Paul, Paul, listen, Paul gives a real honest interpretation of his life. Now, I just want to say something to you. Paul says, not that I've already obtained it. Now, he's talking about perfection. We'll come back to that in a minute. He says, not that I've already obtained it. Now, I know some of us in the room maybe wrestle with that. We think we've already arrived, but you have not. I hate to be the bearer of bad news today. You've not arrived spiritually at all. You, you know, you know, it's not happened. Now, listen, if there was anybody in Scripture that we could look at and go, this guy had it going on. I mean, think about it. He was a hater of Christians on the way to Damascus, and God shows up and changes his name from Saul to Paul. We have 27 books in the New Testament. He wrote 13 and possibly even a 14th one, the book of Hebrews. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. If there's anybody we should be able to look to and go, outside of the perfection of Jesus, this guy spiritually had arrived, it would be the Apostle Paul, right? But yet he looks at his own life and goes, I have not arrived. I'm flawed. I struggle. I'm wretched. I'm not perfect. I have spiritually not arrived. But, listen to this, but when he says this, he's also this reminder, but I am in a race. I am doing this thing called life. I am trying my best to live for Christ. But I want you to hear me. He talks to the church of Philippi. I want you to hear me. I have not arrived spiritually. Now, I love that because it reminds me, because listen, sometimes when I read Paul, I'm like, man, this guy was so wise. I mean, the Holy Spirit gave him wisdom and words that is mind-blowing. His teachings could only be improved by the teachings of Jesus himself. That's how profound Paul was. And yet this profound guy who loved Jesus goes, I just need to be honest. I've not obtained this. I've not arrived spiritually. And Paul was so honest about where he was at in his journey with Christ. Now, please hear me. If we're going to position ourselves to be ready to move forward, we have to be honest with ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm really good at a little bit of honesty and a whole lot of rationalization. You with me on that? Well, you know, yeah, yeah I, I kind of struggle here, but well, over here, I'm knocking out of the ballpark. I mean, right now, I'm just tearing, I, I, yeah, I struggle with that, but over here, man, look at how awesome I am over here. And I'm not saying you should shirk that and kind of blow that off. What I'm saying is, we need to be honest. And here's what it means to be honest. Where do you want to be spiritually? When you think about your relationship to the Lord, where do you, not your, not your spouse, not your kids, not your mom and dad, you, your faith, your journey, your relationship to the Lord, where do you want to be with your walk with Christ? Really, have you ever thought about that? Where do I want to be? Now, hey, where am I at in my marriage? And, you know, Jesus is the third person, and, you know, Jesus take the will and be part, I mean, and not, not that. I'm talking about where are you in your journey with Christ? And where do you want to go? Where do you want to be in your walk with Christ? 
See, I think sometimes I read the stories in the Bible and I have an envious heart going, oh, if I could only walk with Jesus. Oh, if I could only see Jesus do the miracles that he did. And yet the Holy Spirit reminds me, you can walk with Jesus. You can see the miracles of God's hand. Just look outside. Look when somebody is lost and then they are found. That's the greatest miracle in history. When someone goes from lost to saved, from death to life. Doug, you can see it. You can walk with me. But I look at the Bible and sometimes I, I, I kind of I become envious because I'm like, if I only could. So where do you want to be in your journey with Christ? And then here's another question you have to be honest about. Where are you? See, I don't know about you, but I can think about where I want to be, and boy, it's up here, right? It's lofty, it's exciting, it's passionate, it's thriving. Oh, yeah! But where am I at? Oh, I'm over here. I'm struggling. Apathetic. Lethargic at best. And I think sometimes Sunday is that for us, isn't it? We walk out here going, yeah! And then Monday comes, oh, me. Right? Here's another question for you, if you're gonna be honest. Are you even in the race? Are you even in the race? See, I really think if we're gonna position ourselves to move forward and move in the right direction in our lives and our faith, we've gotta start with like what Paul said, and we have to be honest. The second thing we have to do is we have to be determined. Look at the very end of verse 12. He says this. After he says, I've not already obtained this perfection, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, but I'm going to press on to make it my own. Now, what Paul is saying is this, that, you know, I'm going to be determined that no matter what, I'm going to pursue my purpose in Christ, no matter what. He says, not that I've already obtained it, but I'm going to press on to make it my own. That phrase, make it my own, in the original language, literally means to chase with the intent to apprehend. He's like, listen, I know what the prize is for me. I know what the purpose of God is for me. And I'm going to chase it, and I'm going to chase it, and I'm going to go after it, and I'm not going to be satisfied until I apprehend it. Now, what is the thing that Paul's chasing after? He's chasing after the purpose that God has for us. Well, what's the purpose God has for us? Listen, this is so simple. What is the purpose that God has for us? To be Christ-like. That's why Paul talks about being conformed to the image of Christ. Right? That's why when you read the letters of Paul, what you find out is everything he's saying is helping shape us and help us to think about what does it mean to look more and more and more and more like Jesus. And Paul says, listen, no matter what, I'm going to pursue my purpose. Now, we all know that ultimately to be like Christ is to be perfect, right? Now, when is that going to happen? Oh, it will. It will. When? Heaven, right? The Bible says this. Paul says this. And I can imagine Paul wrote this with the hairs on his neck standing up when he penned this. When I see him, I will be like him. Not that we're going to look like Jesus, but that I'm going to be made perfect like Jesus and I'm going to be immortal like Jesus and that I am equipped for all eternity. Paul understood that even though in this life we're not going to reach perfection, that that one day will come when we reach heaven. He said, but I'm not going to stop pursuing it. Every day I'm going to continue to pursue to look more and more and more and more like Jesus. 
And I'm not going to be satisfied until I get there. Now, please hear me this morning. One of the greatest tragedies among us today is possibly this. That we don't share the same desire that Paul had to be more like Christ. You know what we desire? The benefits of being a Christian. You know what we desire? The blessings of being a Christian. But do we desire the hard work it takes and the refraining from certain behaviors and attitudes and actions to be more like Christ? Do we desire that? Oh, I want the blessings of God. I want the benefits of being a Christ follower. But do I want the work it's going to take to look more like Jesus, to not deny myself and to make much of him? Do I want that for my life? See, here's what I really believe to be true. We will never pursue being Christ-like until we are dissatisfied with our own spiritual condition. Now, did you hear me? We will never pursue what Paul pursued and being Christ-like until we are dissatisfied with our own spiritual condition. Quick question. Do you think Paul ever got to the place where he was like, man, I'm good. Spiritually, I'm good. You know, I, I've led like 17 people to Jesus today. You know, I'm in prison. I mean, good, good night. I mean, I'm suffering for the Lord. I'm good. You think he ever got there? No. No. But I press on, is what he said, right? And I'm just saying, I believe for us today in, in January 1, 2017, that we need to realize that we have to be determined. There has to be something in us that goes, no matter what, I'm going to pursue my purpose to be Christ-like, just like Paul. But Paul also gives us kind of another aspect of his determination. Look at the very end of verse 13 we read a moment ago. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, listen, no matter what, I'm going to pursue my purpose to be Christ-like. But also determination means that no matter what, I'm going to stay focused. I don't know about you, but is anybody in the room easily distracted? I can tell you from standing up here, I mean, if you are, I won't call you out, but you are, right? Squirrel, there we go, right? We're gone. Doug's lost, right? We are. We're easily distracted. Is it possible that in our journey of faith, as we try to work it out and pursue and live for God, that we get distracted by life? Yes, it is. And Paul says, listen, no matter what, I'm going to stay focused. And here's how I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to do two things. I'm going to forget what's behind me. And I'm going to strain for what's ahead of me. Now, this is a powerful picture here. To forget what's behind. Do you have the supernatural ability to forget your past? No. So what's he talking about? He's not talking about forgetting our past. But what he's saying is this. I refuse to let my past define me. I refuse to let my past dictate my present. And I refuse to let my past dictate my future. That's what he's saying. I'm going to forget my past. And listen, some of you in the room today need to make a break from your past. You have a past of sin, of rebellion, of missed opportunities, and you need to forget the past this morning. Some of you have some successes and achievements and accolades. Can I say that to you too? You need to forget your past. Just because you used to be somebody doesn't mean you are somebody today. Just because you used to walk with Jesus doesn't mean you walk with Jesus today. And if we're going to move forward, we have to have this determination that says, I'm going to stay focused. And part of focus is forgetting what's behind. But straining for what's ahead. 
Now that way, you know I'm a word guy, right? Love that word, straining. It literally means to use your muscles to stretch them to the extent they no longer can stretch. That's what it means to strain. And the picture is, I'm going to forget this, but I'm going to reach for that as far as I can reach. Now, what's the imagery Paul's trying to create? That going forward is hard. Moving in the right direction takes work. In fact, the idea of straining literally comes from the idea of clawing my way forward. Have you ever been on a mountainside or a hillside and it was wet and you're trying to get to the top and you literally were on your hands and knees and just grinding your way to the top? You know what I'm talking about? That's what Paul says. I'm going to forget the past, the good and the bad. And I'm going to live my life straining. I'm going to live my life going forward. I'm going to live my life moving forward. And I'm going to claw my way going the right direction. Now, what kind of determination do you have to have to have that kind of mindset? Can you have a weak, shallow determination? No. It's going to take a Holy Spirit-filled determination for you and I to go, I'm going to be determined. That no matter what, I'm going to pursue my purpose to be like Christ. And no matter what, No matter what, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to forget what's behind that's been holding me back, and I'm going to strain for what lies ahead of me. And I'm going to move in the right direction. That's the effort we need as believers. Then the third thing we need to do. He says here in verse 14. Read with me verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, we need to be honest We need to be determined, but we need to be motivated. What motivated Paul? What do you think motivated him? Look at verse 14 again. Look what he says. I press on toward the goal for what? The prize. I press on to the goal for the prize. The prize is what motivated Paul. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it says this. We'll read together on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you not know that it is a race that all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Right? When you run a race, why do you run? Does anybody, okay, let's let's say that together again because I have a point to make. Why do you run a race? Why do you play board games? I just want to make that point, all right? You play to win, right? Now look, you're like, oh Doug, you're, you're advocating competition. You better believe I am. Now, I think competition can treat godly character and godly integrity and all those kinds of things. But I'm talking about if you have a mammy-pammy kind of approach to life, you're not going to run a race to win it. And Paul says, life is a race. And some of you aren't paying any attention. Some of you aren't giving it your effort. Run the daggum race. Run it like you're trying to win a prize. Quit walking. Quit making excuses. Run. Right? And he says here in verse 14, he says, I run because there's a prize. And you know what the prize is? Heaven. Heaven. Paul knew that there was going to be a moment when we pass from this life into the next life that we're able to stand with our hands in victory going, I've won. The victory that I had in Christ is now perfectly realized. I'm here. I'm made whole. I'm made perfect. And I'm in the presence of my Savior. Victory has occurred for me. In fact, Paul had a glimpse of that. At the very end of his life, he wrote to Timothy, and here's what he said. Timothy, as I look back on my life, here it is. I fought a good fight, Timothy. I finished the race, and I kept the faith. 
Hey, Timothy, life's going to be a fight. But I fought it. I didn't back down, Timothy. I fought with everything. Did I always succeed? No, but I fought. And Timothy, I finished the race. You know what? There's sometimes in life, Timothy, you're going to feel like throwing the towel in. You're going to feel like just saying, I quit. I don't care anymore. I'm done with this. Don't stop running. And Timothy's, I looked over my life from the times I was out of jail to the most of my ministry when I was in prison. Timothy, I persevered. May that be an encouragement to you, Timothy. And then I love what he said at the end. He says, and I kept the faith. Even when it's easy to deny my Savior and to not live for him, I remained faithful. Now, do you see that? That's the prize. The prize is that we have a reward. And that reward is heaven. That is your story too. That's what God desires for you too. When you struggle and you're like, Doug, I, I understand about being honest, but being determined, man, Doug, things get tough and things I struggle and, and I just don't know. Listen, what should motivate us to stay in the race, what should motivate us to keep fighting is that one day we have a home waiting for us where we truly will experience the victory we have found in Christ. It's heaven. You know, one of the hardest things in most of our lives is when we lose somebody. And I know that for me, seven months and four days ago, it's hard because I lost my dad. But you know what? As I prepared for this, and last night as I was thinking through this message for the last time, I reminded that my dad, the moment he slipped from this life to the next, was able to raise his hands in victory and go, I've won. I'm with my Savior. He is the motivation for how I lived my life. And now I'm receiving my eternal prize. That's our story. And may it motivate us. One more thing I want you to see in the text, then we'll wrap it up. Verse 15 and 16 says this. But those of us who are mature think this way. And if anyone or anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Now, what is, what is Paul doing here? I mean, he really shifts gears here because I think sometimes when we talk to people and they don't seem to get what it means to live for Christ, we kind of like to browbeat them a little bit, kind of beat them down going, hey, you know, why are you thinking so crazy? I mean, you're acting stupid here. You know, you should be getting this. And Paul does something completely different. Paul talks about being honest. He talks about his determination. He talks about his motivation. And then here at the end, he says, listen, but here's the deal. If you're mature in your faith, we should all think this way. We should all realize that we have to be honest about where we're at. We should all be determined to pursue Christ-likeness and to pursue staying focused and straining forward. And that if we're all really mature, we should really be motivated because one day we will spend forever in the presence of our Savior. But there's some of you that that's not you. So here's my prayer for you. That God would just reveal it to you. That God would just open your eyes and that you would see it, understand it, and experience it. But whether you get it or you don't, look at the very last line he said here. He said, verse 16, the very last line. He says, only let us hold true to what we've attained. And in other words, whether you get this whole thing or you don't, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Don't stop running. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop following. Because God will open your eyes to the truth that I've just shared with you. John MacArthur shared a little bit of a story, and I quote his story about what it means, our desire to live for Christ. He says this, at the foot of the Swiss Alps, 
is a marker, a marker honoring a man who died trying to ascend the mountain. And here's what it wrote. He died climbing. That was a no-brainer, right? And he says, for believers, ours and our marker should say this. They died climbing the upward path toward the prize of Christ-likeness. That's what our marker should read. And I'm just telling you, if we want to position ourselves to move forward in this new year, we've got to start with being honest about where we're at. Where do we want to go in our faith and where are we at? We have to be determined that beyond anything else, we're going to pursue what it means to look more like Jesus. And we have to be determined to focus ourselves, forgetting the past and straining for the future. And then we have to be willing to be motivated that one day we will receive a prize, and that prize is eternity with our Savior. If you want to move forward, these are the things we have to do. If we want to be able to talk about vision next week and how it imp impacts our lives and be able to be more than just good intentions, but really vision we live out, we've got to do these things. You know, as I thought about today, I thought about this, that, you know, for me, I, I would love, and you've heard me say this before, I would love to lose weight. I would love to. I know I'm amazing right now, but I would love to lose weight. <laughs> Things hurt that shouldn't hurt at the weight that I am. And I know if I didn't want to this weight, these things wouldn't hurt so bad. And so I would love to lose the weight. But you know what? I've done nothing to accomplish my desire. Nothing. So what would make me think I would have different results than what I'm already getting? Right? Can we say the same thing's true maybe of you spiritually today? Oh, I want to be so close to God. I just want to, I want to love God. I want to pursue after God. I want to chase after God. I want to have an intimate relationship with him. But I really don't have time to read my Bible. I really don't have time to pray. I really don't have time to go to church. I'm not going to be faithful with that. I mean, you, you, why would we expect different results if we have a desire here, but there's no behavior change over here? It doesn't happen that way. So today, I'm just going to ask you real quickly, would you just be honest? Would you just be honest? See, for some of you, honesty looks like this today. You, you've recognized today that as you begin this new year, that you honestly do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's honesty. And if that's you today, I would invite you to accept him as your savior. I'll be standing over there in a moment. You can talk to me as we sing. You can catch me after the service. But if you find yourself there today, if you're really honest with, if I die today, do I know I'm going to heaven and a place of my eternal reward that should motivate my life? Or am I just not sure? Or do I absolutely know I wouldn't? Today, would you trust the one who we celebrated just a couple of weeks ago, his birth? And he just didn't come as a baby to stay a baby. He came as a baby to go to the cross to die for us, right? And would you trust him as your savior? Would you be honest enough to go, this is my condition, but here's what I'm gonna do about it. And then if you're a follower of Christ today, would you just simply be honest with where you're at? Don't, don't look, don't skew it. Don't try to say, well, I struggle here, but rationalize everything else good I'm doing over here. Just be honest. Go, you know what, God, if I was really honest today, I do love you. I know you're my savior, but I have zero desire to live for you, and I want you to change that for me. God, I come to church. I know that, I know that you're here. I know that people talk about how much they're close to you, but God, I don't feel you. I don't sense you. I don't even know if you're real, God. Can, can, can we just kind of be that honest today? And if you say that you're a follower of Christ, I'm going to ask you to be honest. Where are you at in your journey of faith? And where do you want to be? And what are you going to do to make those changes to get you there? So you know what? Here's a newsflash. If Doug wants to lose weight, Doug will eat less and work out more. 
right? If you want to walk with Christ, you will decrease self and increase Christ in your life. Be honest. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for this passage. And this passage just has wrecked me lately, just thinking about what it means to be honest. Again, I pray today that's where we would start. Today we would just start with the honesty. But today we would just start with maybe those that don't know you. And today, honestly, I know that if I were to die today, I don't have a relationship with Christ. And Father, if that's them, I pray that today that they would somehow understand you love them so much you sent your son to die for them. And they would trust them with their life. That even right where they sit, they would confess that they are sinner. Confess that they have rebelled against you. But invite you in as the Lord and the Savior of your life. To forgive them of their sins. I pray they would be honest today. And I pray for those of us that call ourselves Christians that we'd be honest. Where are we really at today? And where would we like to be? And what do we have to do to make that happen? God, my prayer is that today we'd be honest. And as we go through this week, that honesty would lead to determination. That if we're that believer in the room that says, you know what, I'm struggling, I've been living kind of apathetic and, and living kind of for myself instead of Christ, that there'd be, there'd be determination in the heart this week to look more like Jesus and to really stay focused on what it means to pursue him. So God, I pray today that we would start with honesty. And this week we would find the heart of the determination to live and to follow you. So God, be with us today. Touch our hearts only as you can. And once again, we thank you for your son Jesus. He was not just another baby. He was not just another man. He wasn't just a criminal that died on a cross. He's the savior of the world. And Father, I think our problem is we've gotten over that. And today, may you remind us of that. May we not get over the sacrifice that you made for us. And may we be honest enough today to, to evaluate where we're at and to trust you more deeply. For your precious and your glorious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand together with me as we sing? You give life. You are love. You bring light to this darkness. You give hope.